How are you? You good? Huh? You, didn't, you, you actually don't sound that good, but um, yay, I'm glad you're here. And uh, this is my dear friend, uh, Lee Wisdom, and we, uh, we go back to Fresno days, and uh, um, I was youth pastor at church. And has anybody ever heard of an organization called Youth for Christ? Anybody? It, Lee was on staff there, and we worked together and uh, had a ton of fun, and uh, saw God do some, just really some big stuff around us and, and in that city, and it was really cool. And, um, but the reason Lee's here is um, Lee is a journey missionary, and uh, that's a story right in itself. And we're starting a series today called, as you just saw on the little video thing, that God speaks and how we can recognize and discern the voice of God in his life. And uh, Lee's in, uh, in the country right now, and we were talking, and I said, hey, um, can you come this weekend, and we'll just, we'll talk. And uh, so he agreed to do that, and it's been really cool, the other two services. And hopefully we won't screw this one up too bad, but, um, but you never know, right? And uh, so you're, um, you're now in Panama, and tell us what the heck. I mean, uh, you, you, you didn't speak a word of Spanish when we hung out. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you could order a, at a restaurant. So I could order a burrito. Yeah, good. Yeah. good. With guacamole. That's something. That's yeah. something. But um, so how, how did this happen? How do you go from minding your own business uh, to, to ending up in, in Panama? Okay. Um, well, I was, I was pastoring a church in, here in Southern California in a town east, uh, east part of L.A. called Monterey Park. Okay. And we'd been there about eight years. We loved it there. They loved us. I know you find that hard to no, believe. I, it, I love you. Know. Yeah, yeah, uh, they I actually love you. Becky. They tolerate me. And that's uh, Lee's wife, Becky, right that's over there. That's my wife, Becky. Yay! Oh, come on. You guys over here should be clapping, and you're not clapping. Come on. Be nice. All right, well, go ahead. get to know Becky, and then you'll be able to like me. Yeah, so uh, um, we were just kind of sensing that God might be getting ready to do something. We didn't know what. Uh, we weren't sure much of anything. And one day, Becky was working at the church doing something. I think maybe decorating for Christmas or whatever. And, and uh, just out of the blue, she heard a voice uh, that she knew to be the voice of God. And God said, I'm going to move you. Just that, like that. that was it. And it was a voice voice. Voice like, voice. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I wasn't around, so it wasn't me. Right. You know, so so um, here's a voice. I'm going to move you. And uh, then what happened? Well, everything's just kind of calm for right. a couple of months. And, and then one Monday afternoon, we're at a coffee shop with a friend of ours, you know, on the, on the coast highway. And, and we're talking. And he goes, I'm going to retire out of Panama. Wow. And I go, oh, yeah, where? And he goes, well, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to retire to Panama. Uh, you know, and get out of the States. And I said, Panama. But when he said Panama, the Holy Spirit spoke to both of us. Like Just independently. Independently. Yeah. Becky's sitting over there and I'm here and the Holy Spirit just let, you know, just made it clear that there was something in Panama for us. Wow. Now, we didn't have any idea what. Right. But we just knew there was something. A couple of weeks later, we're back together, you know, whatever it was. And he goes, well, I know where I'm going in Panama, where I'm going to retire. And I said, okay, where is it? And he goes, Boquete. When, the, when he said Boquete, the Holy Spirit spoke to us separately again. And we knew that we would be doing something in Boquete, Panama. Now, at this point, you'd been to Panama how many times? None. <laughs> so that'd be zero, right? And uh, Zip. You're uh, Spanish. Oh, no, nada. Nada. <laughs> yeah, see, you have learned some Spanish, quite a bit of yeah. Spanish, actually. So, yeah, and uh, so we... Uh, Nunca in, in Panama y nada español. So, the, um, so uh, you're obviously a prime candidate. Yeah. To to, but you didn't know if this was like a, a missions trip with your yeah. church or, or what, right? Yeah, we really thought we would be taking a missions group down from our church, and we would work with a church there in Boquete, Panama, and, you know, develop a partnership and, and that kind of thing. We, we weren't envisioning... Uh, um, uh, moving down there. In fact, when God said he was going to do something, we kind of thought maybe he was going to send us back to Romania because we'd been doing missions work in Romania right. for 17 On years. So summer we thought, trips and short-term yeah. trips. And yeah. so we thought we'd be making a move there, but right. little did we know. And, and how long ago is this? This is uh, six years ago. So, so it's not like you're in college trying to figure out what you're doing with your life. Now I'm a little no, beyond that. A little be yeah. Just a little, I know. Uh, but so... Uh, so how, how do we get from stirring hearts to, okay. to moving 
to Panama. Well, over the weeks and days, God just made it abundantly clear right. that we were going to be making a move to Panama. Yeah. Uh, one of the stories I like to tell is that um, uh, we lived in Orange County and uh, in, in San Juan Capistrano. Right. Now, nice in, the, in, in the dictionary, if you go home and go there and look for trailer trash, you'll find our picture <laughs> because we owned a mobile home there in San Juan right, Capistrano. Yeah. It's it, the only thing that we could afford in right. Orange County. Yeah. In our park, uh, homes were taking a year to year and a half to sell, closer to a year and a half. We put ours on the market, ours sold in two weeks for full price. Wow. Uh, and just, again, step after step after step, God made it clear that's where we, we were to go. We met with you. You said, Journey wants you. We right. said, great, we'd love to be right. with you. And, yeah. and that kind of, uh, that really sealed the deal. That was a, really, honestly, a big thing. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, if you would have said no, we probably would not be there now. Right. And just, I mean, we are their, um, their nonprofit organization. If you want to give to them, you just give to Journey and say, dude from Panama or whatever. And, and so, like, uh, so you're... Um, you, the, you go to Panama mm -hmm. and you move there. Like <laughs> you don't, yeah. you don't show up. You move there. Well, we not only moved there, we sold everything. We sold everything. In we there. have nothing here, and so, except family. And so you, um, you're you're down there, and and then you know, like you go from that to where, like one of the stories I I think it's it's hilarious knowing you, is that um, there's an unreached people group that you mm -hmm. didn't know existed. They're the well, how do you say they're the Nobe the Nobe people. And you're like, to get to them, you're like riding a donkey like Juan Valdez up and down the Colombian coffee, right? And, uh, yeah. right? Well, uh, kind of. <laughs> it, it wasn't a donkey. It was a horse. Oh, there was me. no coffee. It's Barren Hills. Uh, but I had to, uh, in, in Panama, there are seven indigenous groups. The largest group is Nabe. And that is the largest or the, the indigenous group in the area that we are in. Most of them live on a reservation called the Camarca. Mm -hmm. And I have a partner, we have a partnership with uh, uh, a pastor and we go in and we train pastors and churches how to reach their, the Nabe communities. We do evangelism with them. We do some other things. Uh, uh, and so we were going in to do one of these conferences to get there, I had to ride a horse for four and a half hours. Uh, I don't have a horse's riding body, if you haven't <laughs> noticed, but uh, the ride, there, there was no plateau. It was four and a half hours of straight up and straight down, literally. So I'm either leaning back or leaning forward. And you're in the States right now. I mean, the reason you're here yeah. is you're back. You got right. some back issues in that. I'm guessing the horse thing did not help. <laughs> the whole back you know, I'm not going to blame it on that, but it didn't help, I can say for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, so we did that, that yeah. and that was a cool thing. I mean, I mean, imagine this, you go from, uh, you know, living in Orange County to like a horse into the jungle to reach a group of people that have almost no knowledge of Jesus or any right. of that stuff. Right? right. Yeah. No, very, very much. Uh, they're isolated. There is no running yeah. water. There is no electricity in the Camarca. Yeah. They bathe in, in, uh, uh the rivers. Uh, yeah. Most of them cook on open fires. Yeah. It is very, very isolated. We actually took a young lady to the doctor that had her ankle broken. It had been broken for a month when we got there. Mm. And we took her out. It took her six hours with her family to walk back to our car. Ooh. But yeah. there's no doctors in the Camargo. Wow. So. Wow. So, and, and then God's favor has been on you in some crazy ways. Like, yeah. uh, t talk to us about this, okay. sc the school ministry. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you two quick stories. Okay. Everything that has happened has been an open door provided by God. There is nothing that we have done that has opened up the door or, or we've done something, worked it to make it happen. It's all been God. Mm -hmm. uh, met a pastor who turned out to be a, a, a part of a pastor's uh, uh, convention, and uh, he was talking to me. And he wanted to know what we were doing and how we were going to do it. And I told him, and he stopped me in the middle of it. And he reached over, and he grabbed my arm, and he said, we've been praying for you for five years. Wow. And that opened up the door to ministry with churches where we train them to uh, prayer walk. But we do a little different. I don't know how mm. you guys do it, but we do different than most. Uh, and then that leads into evangelism. We train them how to do follow-up mm. and how to do community events. They wow. didn't know how to do any of this stuff. Then we started doing church planning. And in order to do that, God opened up a door where uh, I teach in a public school. 
Wow. Every time I say that, I know that a couple of my dead college professors turn over in their grave. <laughs> but um, I teach at a public school, and, one, and I teach drama. I was a, a, a theater major in college, never used it, mm -hmm. and uh, got there, and they asked me if I would teach drama, and I said, oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, so I'm teaching drama, and our son had come down with us, and he's teaching PE, mm -hmm. and he comes into my classroom, and he goes, Dad, there's a government official out there that wants to meet you. And I'm thinking, oh, this can't be good. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but meeting government officials means I need to get an airplane ticket. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, okay, well, you know, tell him that, that I'll be out at, you know, when class is over. And he goes, no, he wants to meet you right now. That's usually good. That's <laughs> not, yeah, that's, he's got my plane <laughs> no. ticket, you know, so. <laughs> um, and so uh, I go out, we do some talking. In the Latin culture, as you know, you don't just go to business. You, you have to talk a little bit. Right. We did that. And he was, uh, he's with the Ministry of Education, uh, the government with Panama. And, and uh, he looks at me and he finally gets very serious. And he goes, the president wants you to know that he, is, he knows you're here. He knows what you're doing. He's excited about what you're doing, and he wants to discover ways to expand what you're doing into other schools. Whoa. And he meant the president of Panama. Wow, wow. So, yeah, thank That's you, Lord. That's really cool, yeah. yeah. And so that led to a relationship where now our ministry is certified by the Ministry of Education in Panama to teach in any school in Panama. We have free reign to teach. Wow. And so we go in and they say, teach drama. So I teach drama. I buy plays from the Bible and with the gospel yeah. and we present them to the community, to the student body. Wow. There's no reins on us whatsoever. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, how cool is that, right? I mean... Um and that's leading to churches being started. And, uh, yeah, we, that, that has led to, see, now we know every kid in the school because yeah. they're in my class. Yeah. Okay? So we'll get with them, we develop a relationship, and then in about a month or so, we start a, a ministry for young people and for children. We wait another month or so, and then we start outreaches, and then mm -hmm. we start follow-up Bible studies, and we plant a church. There's a, a new church plant that's just a year old in a town called Guatemala, and that started with this process out of the school. <laughs> so crazy. And here it is. It starts with a guy that doesn't speak a word of Spanish, that's never been to a country, and God just saying a word to his wife while she's minding her own business, trying to get something done in the church. I mean, how cool is that, right? How cool is that? Yes? Yeah? Yeah. So, um, man, we're, what an, it's amazing. And I know there's more stuff we could say. We'll save that for another time. But how about um, at least I think we should pray for Lee and, and Becky, don't you? Does that sound like a good plan? Um, why don't you stand up to do that? And um, here at Journey, we have a custom when we pray for people. We, it's actually not a Journey custom. It's a Bible custom. But we uh, extend our hands um, to pray and to bless people. And so why don't you do that if you're, if you're out there? And if you're going, uh, I don't know how to do this. We'll just, here, do it like that. Stick your hand out there. You're doing it. See, it's working. And uh, so we're going to pray over him. And uh, just, let's just pray more blessing and uh, more favor. And so God, um, how awesome. And what a, what a treat for me. I know for me to have my friend up here with me. That's just, that's just fun for me, Lord. Thank you for that. But also like for us to be sitting here and uh, to hear the story of somebody that that just has the faith that when you open a door, they walk through. And Lord, whatever that, that faith, I pray right now, you would just blow that all over us, that you would put that on everyone in this room right now, the faith to just say yes. Because I really believe, Jesus, that's really all you're looking for, is somebody that will just say yes to you. And thank you for Lee and Becky and their willingness to just say yes. And thank you for the adventure that they have been on and that they are on. And we just pray <clears throat> for more of everything, more favor, more open doors, more um, support, more, more everything, Lord. And we pray over this back of Lee's. Can you guys just agree with me right now? Lord, we know he's in the country to get, to get some relief for this back. And some of you guys have had back pain, and you know, yikes, right? And so, uh, God, we're just praying, even during this service, during this service, that you would bring wild and wonderful improvement to this back. And uh, Lord, that you would, if you choose to keep using doctors, give somebody an exact idea of what needs to be done. Just the exact thing. Because um, we know sometimes they can 
make it worse, Lord. So we're saying no to that and yes to a healed back and renewed strength for our friend and bless him and pour out your goodness on him and, and on Aaron and, and just their whole family. And we pray this in the name of Jesus for the sake of his kingdom and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks, bro. Well, Yay, big hand for my friend Lee. Come on, come on. I, wanna, I do wanna say thank you to Ed. And I wanna say, Becky and I wanna say thank you to Journey because you guys were the first ones in the step uh, to get us there. And we thank you for making that possible and, and making it possible to stay. And we look forward, we'll be out in the foyer. We'll look forward to meeting you. We have a card we can give you. And yeah. so, hey brother, All right, thank bro. you. Bless God you, man. Yo le bendiga. Yo le bendiga, hermano. All right, yeah. Um, <clears throat> he didn't know Dios le bendiga when he went. That's the funny thing. So and he, you guys know what that means, right? God bless you, yeah. That's, it's not exactly advanced Spanish there, but uh, you guys all right? I feel like this isn't on or something like, you're, you're good, right? You got, uh, so anyways, that's really fun. And, and like I said, this, it was perfect. I mean, because we're, we're talking about God Speaks. And so you came in, you got an outline uh, in the program that they gave you. Could you fish that thing out and put it on your lap? That would be really helpful. I think it'll be helpful, even if you're not much of a note taker. If you are, well, you're in luck, but if not. And that's why I want to lead us share his story. And I, I hope you're paying attention because there was, there was a bunch of different things in there that I want you to grab, and I'll point those out as we go. And this series is about how God speaks to just regular people, like regular schmoes like us, right? So what, what we're asking you to do during this series, and maybe the next few weeks, we just got done with a super important series called The Naked Truth, and, uh, and, and it's, we're, we're kind of jumping right into another kind of defining moment series. This is a critical thing for your journey with God. And I'm asking you, and, and I, think, I, I think God is asking you to, to do this, despite your doubts, despite your doubts, how about if you dare to believe, that should be up, can you just put that up there? On the slide, no? Okay, there it is. Despite your doubts, dare to believe that God wants to speak to you and that that's a good thing. I mean, some of us think, yeah, I'm sure God does want to speak to me and uh, I don't want to hear it, man. <laughs> it's like, well... You know, like, who hears two words coming at you? No, it's like, uh, despite your doubts, dare to believe that God wants to speak to you and that that is a good thing. And, and as we think about this, let me just have you ponder a question. Just think about this for a second. What, what kind of world do you envision yourself living in right now? Like, what, 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 what do you picture this world is? I, I think that a lot of times our theology and the way we think about God is shaped a lot by the cartoons we watched as a kid. I know mine is, and, and that's one of the best sources for theology, but there's also the whole Bible thing we'll get to. But, but I mean, we imagine that, like, like for example, the, the, the devil and the angel on our shoulders, you know what I mean, whispering stuff to us. And we imagine, like, heaven as this place on the third arm of the Andromeda galaxy, you know, and, and God is way up there. And so our prayer is like, God, 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 God. And eventually they get there, you know, and God comes back to us in his deep, reverby voice and stuff. And, and the deal is, the Bible doesn't really picture our world like that. It pictures it as a, a world infused by God's presence. I, I almost, I just thought it'd be a little too weird to like read poetry in, in church to you. But there's a guy named Gerald Manley Hopkins who was a poet of about uh, 80 years ago or so. And he has this one line, he goes, the world is infused with the presence of God. Everywhere in the ordinary, there's, there's God's presence is everywhere, right? That, that's the kind of world we're living in. And, and I'd like you to think about like what kind of, I don't, I don't really know what to call it, but what kind of arrangement does God envision, does the Bible portray as our thing with God, our relationship with God, our, our, our interaction with God? And, and I, I I'd like you to think about it in, in two, in three ways. We're going to talk about God's plan. We're going to talk about God's nature and God's book to get us started off. Like, just kind of take a quick look at each of those. And, and to think about God's plan, we'll start with that. Like, God, what kind of plan did God lay out? I'd like to show you something from um, the, the little teaching that Jesus left with us from the night before he was crucified. So Jesus understands that he's going to the cross the next day. 
I mean, God, it's, it's, it's really clear as you read the Gospels that he, and, and even the guys knew something was coming. I mean, things were coming to a head with the religious leaders and the Romans and all this stuff, right? And so Jesus knows that this Pesach, this Passover that he's having with his peeps, and there's at least the 11 disciples there. Uh, Judas is, at some point is gone, so they went from 12 to 11. And then there's probably some of the other people, some of the women that were in leadership in his core. And so there's this small group, a room full of people there. And in, the, in the, a book of the Bible written by Jesus' friend John, it's, it, it records this thing that through the years we've called the upper room discourse. It's the last night before Jesus goes to the cross. It's his little teaching, it's his discourse. And, and to do, it's in John chapter, if you look, read in the Bible, John 13, 14, 15, and 16. And then in John 17, there's this really cool prayer, and that was probably given in the Garden of Gethsemane. So it's those chapters. And, and imagine if you're Jesus, or even if you're you, right? And, you're, and you're, you're coming, something's coming to an end. You parents out there, you know, when you're taking off for the weekend and the kids are going to be left at the house, you know, they're in high school or something, you know, I was like, all right, don't forget to take the trash out and, and, and no parties while I'm gone, you know, it's like, and then you go, right? You're, you say a few last things. And if you're gone for a long, long time, maybe those of you who are, who are in the military, when you get deployed, those, those last few things you say, they're, they're, they're critical things, right? And so Jesus is leaving them with some things that are like, Muy importante. And so, so he's, there's three, I want, I want to grab three sentences out of there and just show you the nature of this thing. As Jesus says, now listen, here's what's going to happen going forward. Uh, let me show you this. Why don't you guys read the word that's underlined, all right? When we get there, you shout it out, all right? So Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and take up residence with him. Hmm. Jesus will take up residence with him. Let me show you another sentence from maybe another page into the, the dialogue. Jesus says, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you, a little more enthusiasm there, but I have called you, like Jesus is actually saying, listen, um, the whole slave master thing, the whole servant master we're moving past that, and, and I'm calling you, say it again, friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You know, when you have a friend, what do you do? What, you, with a friend, you talk with them, right? I mean, if you don't talk to somebody, it's likely that you're not really friends. Let me show you one more line out of this, this little teaching. Jesus says, but I tell you the truth. It is, yeah. Now this one, to be transparent with you, this one is hard for me to wrap my head around. These dudes are in a room with Jesus, like looking at him and talking. I think that sounds really cool to me. But somehow, Jesus says, I'm telling you, what's coming, what we're, what's on the table for us right now is what? It's better. It's better that I go away for, if I do not go away, the, the helper. And man, that word is notoriously hard to translate into one English word. It's, there's a Greek verb, parakaleo, and, it, and there's a noun form of that, parakletas or kletes. And it's, it's the, like, you know, like we have the prefix thing like paramedic or paraprofessional or whatever. And it means like the one who comes alongside, like paramedic is one who comes alongside the, the doctors and helps them, right? And then kind of makes their job easier. And then the kaleo is the one, is the verb to call somebody. So it's the one who's called alongside for assistance. Sometimes it gets translated um, the advocate because in the ancient times, the paraclete was your lawyer in a court case, right? And so you get the, the abogado, the, the helper, the it's referring to the Holy Spirit. And somehow Jesus says, if I don't leave, the paraclete, the helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So here's the deal. When Jesus is picturing God's plan moving forward, <clears throat> excuse me, he says, I'm going to be with you. It's going to look like presence where I am with you. And where not only I'm with you, but we're friends. 
and that whatever it is, you guys should have that on the outline. Um, whatever it is, it'll be better than it was. I'll be with you. We'll be friends, and it'll be better. Now listen, especially that last one, I'm still going, okay, Jesus, I, at least where, what I've experienced so far in my history with God, it's, I'm like, oh, man, Jesus, I would still like to just, like, just, man, it would be cool if we could just sit down and have coffee and chat, right? But whatever it is, here's the conclusion I think we need to come to. And this is not your online, but I would write it down somewhere. What Jesus is picturing is highly interactive. Write that down or say it with me. It is highly interactive. Clearly, Jesus is expecting and picturing something with a ton of interactivity. So that's, I mean, let's start with God's plan. And then think about who God is, God's nature. It seems to me that if you read the scriptures, it's God's nature to reveal himself, to speak. You know, when the Bible Bible starts like this, um, in the beginning, anybody know this? In the beginning, God did what? He created the... Right? Perfect. All right, you're not nailing it. In the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God is hovering over the water. Now look at verse 3, the three lines down. It says this, Then God said, how about if we read this together? You guys cool with that? Maybe it'll wake you up a little bit. Okay. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now, check this out. Three lines into the Bible, we see God's very first act. The first thing God does in in this thing called history is to speak. And his speaking causes something to get created. And what is it that gets created? Or in Hebrew, or light, right? And what does light do? It reveals stuff. It shows you stuff. So you think, yeah, well, I don't have time to read the whole Bible and figure this out. Just read the first three lines. I mean, you don't, you don't have to even get very far that, that God is about speaking and God is about revealing himself. That's, that's the nature of who God is. And, and, I, um, and I, I really don't have time to go into the whole history of this. I, and sometime with some of you that are interested, I'd love to do it. But like in, in say, if, if you're my age or ish, you know, in the, in the history of like what's, you know, like the back and forth between various people that have different opinions, it seemed to me, at least when I became a Christ follower a- after a while, that people, that I came to this conclusion, and, and I, I feel like people, I know that people said this, it's like, oh yeah, sure, God speaks, and here's how he speaks. He gives you the Bible and says, read it, and that's how I'm going to speak to you which is great, and I love the Bible, and I, I took to that like, like bees to honey, right? But here's the problem. Here's where the theory fell apart to me. I made the mistake of actually reading the Bible itself, right? And then I'm like, hmm, well, that doesn't seem to work. Look at God's book. You know, look at God's plan, his nature, and then look at God's book, and here's what you find. If you read the Bible, even the first three lines— but if you keep reading it, what you'll find over... No, go back a slide, please. I don't know, whatever. There you go. It portrays a God who will use almost any means to communicate to people. Like, where he'll use almost any means to get through to people. I, I made a little bit of a list. That's what was just on there. Put that back up there. I, I mean, this is just... This is literally just this... A little bit off the top, the tip of the iceberg, like a sense of his presence. There's a, in religious studies, they call this a numinous, there's a word sense. There's these quasi-human visitors that show up periodically that some people call theophanies. There's dreams and trances and visions all over the place. There's providential circumstances. Like you saw a number of these in Lee's story, right? The providential circumstance with the house. And then you heard, you know, well, burning bushes, I've never experienced that, but there's at least one of those in the Bible, and actually a couple of those. Then there's miracles and judgments, there's prophets, there's inspired songs and poems, there's the voice, 
the TV show. God speaks through that TV show on a regular basis. At least he used to until they, they kicked Trevor off. And therefore, it is now a God-forsaken show that you should never watch. But um, no, but God speaks to us through the voice that we'll talk about next week. I mean, that's just a, I mean, super cursory, just kind of a little bit of a taste of the gazillion ways in which God speaks. My favorite one that I really don't have time for, but I just can't resist it. I left it in the, the, the King James uh, Old English translation, and it's, it's a guy named Balaam, and he's going along, and when the ass saw that the angel of the Lord, uh, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass. I'm not, you didn't need to grow up. It's a donkey. That's what we're talking about there, right? And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done to thee that thou hast smitten me these three? God will even open the mouth of a ass to speak, right? And you're like, yeah, that happens at Journey every week. And so I get that, right? You're like, I have no trouble believing that. God speaks to an ass to me regularly. So, okay, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it, whatever it takes, right? There's... Um, Every now and then I'll tell you about a book that I wish everyone in the world would read, especially you guys. The best book, by far the best book that I've ever read on this is by a guy named Dallas Willard. We love him around here and quote from him virtually every week. And uh, he wrote a book called Hearing God. And he says this, and I, I love, love, love this quote. The ideal of, for hearing from God is finally determined by who God is, what kind of beings we are. See, we're... We're people made, as we say around here, in the Imago Dei, in the image of God. What, what that means in part is we, God has put into us the ability and the longing to communicate with him. Finally determined by who God is and what kind of beings we are and what a personal relationship between ourselves and God should be like. Understanding how God speaks to us should be sought only as a part of a certain kind of life. It's, it's not like we're just seeking information from God like an oracle, you know, like a Ouija board. or one, Remember that eight-ball toy that we used to have? It's not like God's like one of those that actually works. Hey, look at this. It's about the kind of relationship and the kind of life that we're living. And, and I, I love how he puts this. A life of loving fellowship with the king and his other subjects within the kingdom of heaven. Next slide. So union with God. Oh man, do, get a load of this sentence. So union with God, his presence with us in which our aloneness is banished and the meaning and full purpose of life of human existence is realized. That's, that's a lot right there. Consists chiefly in conversational relationship with God. Say those two words with me. Conversational relationship. How about if you say them one more time? Are you cool with that? And conversational relationship. That is the best description of this thing that God has going with us that I've ever heard. Conversational relationship with God while we are engaged as his friend and co-laborer in the affairs of the kingdom of heaven. Man, that's so beautiful. It just chokes me up every time I read it conversational relationship with God while we are engaged as his friends and co-laborers in the affairs of the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's what God has for us. So, so how does this work? Like, what, is, what does this look like? So the next, in the next two weeks, we're going to look specifically at some ways that God speaks to us and how we can learn to recognize his voice. But just to kind of get us thinking about this, there's, there's at least three ways you can think of how God speaks to you, and they reflect who God is. The Bible reveals to us that God exists as what some people have called a trinity. Uh, God is triune, and, and within the one true God, there is, some of you have heard this, say it with me, there is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? There's, that's who God is, and so that reflects how God speaks to us. God speaks to us and, and if you think about the Father, God speaks to us through creation. Watch this verb, check, or check this, um, this sentence out from a book in the Bible called Romans. The guy who wrote it, Paul, says this, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. Notice that God speaks to us through creation, and that starts 
right within your own being, within your own body, your own, your own soul. God speaks and has made himself evident within them. And he made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. The Greek word for clearly seen is one, it's one Greek word is character, which sounds like what? Duh. Character, right? It, it would refer to an imprint or uh, an impression, uh, uh, a mark. And it says that God's nature has been clearly marked, being understood through that which is made. That phrase where it's, notice the third line down where it says, he has made it evident to them. It's this word for, in Greek, to shine. Like God, there is a shining witness inside of us to God's existence. Now, I understand that we can throw all kinds of manure and crud all over that inner witness, but even then, it's still there. Paul says it's been made so clear that even before we've heard a word about God, we're without excuse. God has made himself real in us, evident within us. You know, have you ever wondered, like, you know, I know people that don't believe in God that get very exercised and very excited about and very kind of animated, kind of angry almost to make sure that that. Nobody else believes in God too, right? I, that's always been interesting to me. Like, like, there's a lot of things I just simply don't believe, and I don't really care if other people believe that. What, what, what do I care, right? Like, I, I don't believe in unicorns. I don't. I, I, Santa, absolutely. Uh, Bigfoot, duh, I don't be an idiot. Of course there's a Bigfoot, right? And, uh, but unicorns, I can't buy the unicorns. I'm sure, by the way, there is some horse somewhere with a big knot on his head or what. I mean, I, yeah, but no, no, he's not a unicorn, right? I just don't believe in that. And, and frankly, I don't care if you do. So why do people who say, I just don't believe there's a God, why, why, why do they care? And here's why they care. Because in them, whether they like it or not, there's this witness to something more. There's this something out there. There's... There's facts, great, but then there's something that facts lead you to. It's called truth. It's beyond that, and it's through creation. My, my favorite, maybe my most vivid experience of this was uh, a few years ago. Actually, it's been quite a few years ago, like when our kids were little. We, um, our family does uh, Carmel. We go to Carmel by the Sea up by Monterey every year. It's, it's our family, like, kind of vacation spot and we might do some other stuff but we definitely go to Carmel every summer and and it's just it's our favorite place we're like evangelists for Carmel because we just we think it's we think the beauty up there can hang with any place in the world it's just amazing and if you haven't been there we're organizing trips even now and we'll get you up there somehow but um so one of the things that people do in Carmel is they go down to the beach around you know seven o'clock because we're always there in the summer and like they watch the sunset and it's one of the best sunset places when it's clear. Because, you know, in Northern California, it's rarely, sun well, I should say this, it's often cloudy there. But, but one particular night, we were walking down to watch the sunset. And lots of people go, and especially when it's a nice night. And so this was um, in August, I think. And so we're walking, and Carmel, the town sits, the little downtown sits here. And then everything's downhill to the beach. And the beach itself is a, a big slope, like it's a, like it's a hill, and, and a big white sand beach, and if you've never been there, there's, there's like, oh, it's three quarters of a mile or so of white sand, and then at the, as the beach ends, there's Pebble Beach Golf Course, which is, I think, the most beautiful golf course I've ever seen, and you keep going, and there's the point, and there's Ghost Tree out there, and it's crazy beautiful, and on the left, there's Point Lobos, this, this amazing like state reserve. And then out in the water about, I, I would guess 400 yards, 300 yards out, there's a massive kelp bed, which causes the water to just turn all kinds of colors and it just shimmers in the summer. Cause you know, they get the evening glass off and it's just amazing. And so we're there and there's all these people and there's people that spread blankets out and bring picnic baskets and wine and cheese. And, and then we're there with our little kids who are, of course, ruining it for everybody else, which is what kids do, right? And uh, so it's, they were doing their job. And, uh, 
and everybody's watching this sunset, and it's one of those crystal clear nights. There's not a cloud in the sky, and the sun is going down, and it's going down over the water, and the, the, the water is like all these weird yellow and awesome colors, oranges on the water from the kelp and stuff, and then little, uh, uh, poof, you know, no, no flash, but green flash, but anyways, there it was. And as soon as the sun finally disappeared, there's like probably, I, I would guess 120 people, 150 people around us. Everybody at the same moment broke into applause. It was so bitching. I can't even tell. Like, we all just, and I'm like, I was moved. It was like everybody got it and started clapping. And I'm, this wasn't like a church group. This is just people that are hanging out just together experiencing something they were experiencing Romans 1, God making his nature evident in creation. God speaks to us through creation. The, the Father, the Son, God speaks to us through what the Bible calls the Word. Now, this passage I'm going to read to you is super dense. There's so much to it that we don't have time to mine out, but uh, let's, we'll get a couple things out of it. God, F, this is a book in the Bible called Hebrews, and this is how it starts off. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and in, in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. And if you read the Bible at this point, you're going, you could say that again. There's so many ways that God speaks to people. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. The listen to this. The definitive word from God is his son. He is his son interprets every other word. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. It's God actually showing up as a human. He has spoke to us, spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the world, by the way. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of, of his nature and check this out and he upholds all things by the word of his power so Jesus as that guy is pounding and driving a spike through his wrist on the cross is sustaining that guy's life making his heart beat and giving him breath that's crazy isn't it that's who he is. He is the embodied word. And out of that flows the written word, scripture. And that's which points us to Jesus. Listen to this. The point of the Bible, the reason God gave us the Bible is to get us to Jesus. That's the point. You go, how do you know that's the point? Because Jesus said that's the point. He said, these he says, you think that you search the scriptures and think that you have eternal life in them, but these things speak of me. Think of him as like the filter and the foundation of all the other words from God. Like, in fact, here's how you read the Bible. You start with Jesus and work your way out. And you interpret it through Jesus. Does this sound like Jesus? Then I think I'm on the right track. Jesus shows you, like, who God is finally like. And then there's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus said, in fact, on that same night that I was referring to earlier, he talked about the, that helper, that paraclete, and he says, that is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him. Now look at this. This is really important. You know him because he abides. Look at the change of prepositions here. He abides with you. But he will be, look at this, where? In you. Something happens when you connect with Jesus. From that point on, something happened with everybody that would trust in Jesus where the Spirit of God would actually come inside of them and begin to live in them. And so we see things like this. Notice the verses on your outline. Paul says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Listen, it's, listen to this. It's normal for followers of Jesus to experience being led by Jesus. Now, it might not look exactly like Lee's story, but it's going to look like something. 
In fact, I think it's cool for you to say to Jesus, especially when you're like in a crisis situation or when you're just in a, man, what do I do situation, to look at him and say, all right, Jesus, you said, can I get the verse back up there? You said that everybody who's a child of yours gets led by you. I need to be led by you right now. Keep reading. He says, for you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again. Yes, okay, yeah, we're servants of God, but not, that's not the deal. But he says, instead you've received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And notice this, verse 16 is so, it's so important for your psychological health. For the Spirit himself testifies. That, that word there is martureo. It means, like, it's a, we get the word martyr from that. It means he is a witness. Like, it's like God's very presence, the Spirit in you. He swears to you. He promises you. He says, I promise that you are really a child of God. This, my friends, is that weird little thing in us that every single person ever longs to hear. You know, we think that our dad can say it to us. Some of us have spent some nice quality time with a therapist, which is good, by the way. We're, I'm pro that, 100%. Like going, man, my parents never said this. I never felt this. And, and okay, that's, yeah, good. But what's really bugging you and what's really bugging me is that I need someone, listen, I need the one to tell me that I'm okay and that I'm significant and that I matter, that I haven't screwed this thing up beyond all recognition. It's not too late for me. And the problem is, you could be a really nice person and like care about me a lot and say those things to me, but in my mind, I'm like, that's really nice of you. But who are you? I mean, you're just me. You're, you're just, we're just us, right? We need somebody. See, we need the somebody to tell us this. And look at verse 16. Here's the good news. God sends himself inside of you for that reason. This, my friends, is the key to your healing, to your comfort, to being able to handle all the crap that life sends your way. There's this dude, this Quaker guy, a modern mystic kind of guy named Thomas Kelly, and he says this, deep within us all, there is an amazing inner sanctuary of the soul, a holy place, a divine center, a speaking voice to which we may continuously return. Eternity is at our hearts. That's a phrase from Ecclesiastes 3.11. Eternity is at our hearts, pressing upon our time-torn lives. Wow, that's a good phrase. Warming us with intimations of an astounding destiny, calling us home into itself. That's what's going on inside of you. That's that thing. That's why you're never happy, because until you... Until you tuned into that. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk really practically on what that voice sounds like and how God specifically speaks to you, how you can know whether it's God or just you making stuff up. But I, want, I thought, I got to give you something to actually do to get you moving here. So here's, here's a few suggestions to get started. Number one, like to, to learn to kind of start hearing God's voice. Number one is you got to drop the unbelief stuff. And the unbelief stuff usually, for most of us, comes in the form of the little old me or the really, come on. I mean, like, like it, it's, it comes in the form of why would God speak to some little schmo like me? I mean, he's God, for crying out loud. He, like, he's going to take the time to speak to me. And that sounds really humble, doesn't it? It sounds like, you're so, oh, you're so humble. But, you know, here's, here's a general principle that, take this for what it's worth. It's worth a lot. But, um... Uh, Here's a general principle in life. Beware of fake humility. There's a, we, we traffic in fake humility quite a bit because it's really, it comes from a broken place in us and really what it is is like it's, it's, it's just manipulation. Beware of fake humility because when somebody says, when you say, when I say, well, why would God speak to me? That's not humility. It's arrogance. You're basically saying, Okay, for the life I have, I got this. 
I mean, why would God speak to me? Because, you know, I'm, this is just my, I can handle this. That's not humility, my friends. That's, that's arrogance. Number two, decide I want to hear from God, and I'm going to learn how to hear from God. You know, the first step to learning anything that's important is this. Decide you're going to learn it. If you're going to learn to surf, guess what step one is? Decide you're going to learn to surf. If you're going to learn to play the guitar, guess what step one is? Decide I'm going to learn to play the guitar. And just, then I, see, hearing from God, listen to this. Hearing from God is learned behavior. It's something you need to learn to do. Number three, this is a little gift from Ed to you. It's this phrase right here. That might have been God. Say that with me. That might have been God. There it is. I, I start all my small groups with this. We start every, every morning. We go, everybody goes around and has their that might have been God moment. And then, see, the great thing about this is that it takes the pressure off you to be sure and to be 100% right. You could say to your group or to your friends, like, that might have been God. What do you guys think? And they usually say, yeah, dude, I think that was God. I'm pretty sure that was God trying to talk to you. Man, that was, oh, when those three things came together, I think that was God. And I talked about doing a life history. I'll talk more about that later. And then let me give you one last one. Let me read from Jesus to you. Jesus says, but do you not believe because you are not my sheep? My sheep hear my voice. Look at that. Look at it again. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My sheep hear my voice. See, before you connect with God, before you connect with Jesus particularly, you can still hear the voice of God, but it's kind of like you're a little bit deaf, and it, and it sounds like it's a long way away, and it's kind of, there's a lot of ambient noise and fuzz sound around it. And somehow when you connect with Jesus, that word opens the floodgates. It opens up all the other words from God. And so maybe your step is to hear the word that opens the floodgates, the word Jesus. Maybe your step that this morning to really get you started in recognizing God's voice is to say yes to the word that God has said opens the gates. And that's that word Jesus, where you invite him into your life, where you put your trust in him, where you tell him that you're trusting what he did for you on the cross, that you want him to be involved in your life, and in fact, the Lord of your life, the boss of your life. Maybe, maybe that's the step you need to take today. So, so we're going to enter into worship now, and that includes giving. So if you're new to Journey, you just let the bag pass right on by. I don't feel any weirdness or pressure with that. But let's start that by a prayer. Why don't you bow your head? Because sometimes God is on your feet, so you never know. So bow your head, and uh, we're going to pray a little prayer together. And it's, it's from the scripture. Why don't you pray this with me? Just kind of whisper this to God. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. One more time, let's, let's pray this together. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. God, we trust you to speak to us. Thank you for at least a moment in our week when we can actually listen. So come, word of God, come now.